Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. Morning, Joy. At first, good to be with you this morning. Um, a couple things before we begin. I just want to share a couple things because I think they're really important. Is yesterday we had Hope Closet, and uh, by the way, I know many of you volunteer. Our small groups are volunteering for Hope Closet as well. Uh, but we have some fantastic leaders. And yesterday was a huge day for our church uh, and really for the people who run Hope Closet. We served, if my numbers are correct, my math is correct, 254 people yesterday. 254 people. That's right. 146 children received clothing, 110 uh, adults received clothing and help. And uh, the fact that, uh, you know, we're just a small little church uh, doing great things for the kingdom of God is so great. And 254 people received clothing for free yesterday because of your generosity and because of the way you've given to this community. In fact, um, somebody came up to me prior to the service and said, I was here yesterday and it was amazing because this gentleman came up to me and said, you are a blessing to this community. Like, right, we, this has kind of been our mantra, like we want to be a community of hope. And he said, you guys are a blessing to this community. So I want to thank you, Joliet, first. I really want to thank the leaders of that ministry because when we first started, I can remember it was just so small and now it's become so huge. And really, it's just the work of God and God's hand on it. So thank you for that. Uh, the next thing is in two weeks, we start a new series called Adrenaline Junkies. Now, I know some of you probably wouldn't consider yourself an adrenaline junkie. You're not jumping out of airplanes or climbing the Grand Tetons or doing something amazing in life. But the truth is, is all of us feed off adrenaline. And the question is, what adrenaline feeds your life? And we're going to be addressing that. It's the three-week series. I'm really looking forward to it. And I think it's just pertinent to where we are as a church, and it'll be helpful to us. So if you've not been with us over the last three weeks, we've been in this series called When Pigs Fly. Now, I know we really don't use that language very often anymore, but essentially what we are saying in life is good chance there's a slim chance, right? You, you've been with us um, for the last three weeks. You know this. There's a good chance. There's a slim chance. And you've had a time in your life where you knew there was a slim chance that whatever relationship, circumstance, or job promotion you wanted to get, you knew there was a slim chance you were going to get it, right? But you just didn't really care. And so you went and you told all your friends, and they thought you were crazy and somewhat of a nut job. And you told them anyway. You're like, I think there is a chance. And you've heard them say to you, right? When, when hell freezes over or in your dreams or when pigs fly. And what they're really wanting to say to you is it would take, come on, you know this, it would take what? A miracle. That's right. It would take a miracle. And so we've been discussing miracles over the last uh, two weeks. This will be our third week about miracles. And the reason why we want to address miracles is I think in many ways they are being downplayed. Miracles are being downplayed, not by culture, again, not by science, not by people out there. But I think in many ways we personally as a community and as a church downplay miracles. And the reason why we downplay them and the reason why we don't see them. You always hear people say, remember back then when God did this and God did that, that was the real big miracle. Uh, the reason why why I don't think we see them is we're not looking for them. And so we've defined miracle this way. Uh, when God visibly intervenes, 
right? When God visibly intervenes. Now, I know some of you may disagree with this statement theologically, and that's, that's quite all right. Um, you can push back and do whatever you want. Um, but the reason we landed on this is because we just, I've heard people say, when God from heaven comes down to earth to intervene. And I just don't buy that. I think God uh, is exchangeable with heaven, wherever God is, there heaven is. And we know that God is present with us. So there is always an opportunity for heaven to break into this world and into this place. And we just know that a miracle is really when God visibly intervenes. And so that's where we came up with that. So today we're talking about miracles of protection. We've gone from deliverance. Whoa, that was a rough week. Uh, We went from deliverance to uh, healing. Last week we talked about miracles of healing. And today we're talking about miracles of protection. So would you pray for me? I need God's grace in this moment and uh, would appreciate your prayers. Lord, we give thanks for this time. And we give you thanks for this opportunity to dig into your word and to the good news that you have for us today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Well, uh, how many of you have ever had a moment in your life where you thought there was a good chance, there was a slim chance that you were going to be alive at whatever problem you were facing? Anybody have a moment in their life where they literally thought they were going to die? Um, I feel like this whenever I get on a plane. Now, I know that, you know, planes are just planes, and they're safe, and they're fine, but I am a ball of nerves. Uh, if I know a month ahead of time, I'm nervous the whole month. Um, when it's the day of, I'm like, don't talk to me. I don't want to have a conversation with you. <laughs> My nerves are just getting the best of me. And I know that they say that flying is safer than driving cars. I get that. I get that. But when your engine fails in a car, you don't fall 50,000 feet out of the sky, <laughs> right? When, when, when you turn over your car and it doesn't work or it doesn't start, Uh, Just letting you know, you don't fall out of the sky. You get in an accident, not a big deal. You walk away. You don't walk away from a plane accident, right? You fall to your death. Very encouraging, by the way. I know this. Uh, But here's what I do uh, when I pray for, uh, when I'm starting to fly, is I pray for protection. Now, I know it seems goofy, but you've probably prayed this prayer, right? Um, God, if you protect me, If you get me to my destination, if you land this plane safely, I promise to. Have you done this? Okay, God, if you land this plane, I promise I will never fight with my beautiful wife. Never, ever, ever again. I will love my kids constantly. They will never annoy me. They will always make perfect decisions, and I will never be upset with them. God, if you protect me, I promise that I will go to Africa. I'll go to Joliet. I'll go wherever you want me to go. You call me. That's where I'm going. I promise. I promise. I promise. You've done this, right? We all prayed for prayers of protection. Now, if you're really spiritual, (laughs) if you're really spiritual, you've prayed for a, can you say it, hedge, right? A hedge of protection. Now, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I've heard this before, but what in the world is a hedge of protection? I don't know if you know this. It's a shrub. You're not praying for a concrete wall or an army or like a force field to protect you. You're praying for a shrub. I don't know if you know this, but a beaver, like in a matter of minutes, could tear down that hedge. I don't know if you all know this. I have clippers meant to tear those exact hedges down. So why you would pray for that seems spiritual, but I just have never understood why we say that. So if you ever pray for me for protection, don't pray for a hedge. Pray for something else. I don't want it. Uh, But we've always prayed for protection. Right? Maybe you were bullied in school and you show up that day and you were just praying, God, protect me throughout the day. I just want to get through the day. Uh, if you've been in Chicago for any, any minute, you know that uh, winter storms will show up. And I don't know if it's the snow or the people driving in the snow that scare me the most. I pray that God will protect me from the people, not necessarily from the 10 or 15 inches on the ground. 
uh, we've shown up at the hospital, right? We've had this severe pain and we thought we were dying or maybe you woke up one morning and you had a lump where you didn't have a lump before and like all of a sudden you're, you're, you're panicking and you're asking God, please protect me, please protect me. Maybe you had a friend who overdosed or drank too much alcohol. I pray for my protection for my kids every day. If you have kids, I don't know if you know this, but you put your kids on a giant yellow tube with somebody that you've never met before. I've never met my kid's bus driver, but yet it seems like somebody interviewed them and somebody did a background check. At least we hope. I mean, we cross our fingers. Um, I hope somebody did a background check, but I pray for protection because when that thing takes off, like it's in their hands. And I think we often will pray for protection, but here's the struggle, right? We always have a struggle in our faith, and this is the big one. It's much like last week. Whenever we pray for protection, we end up with this question. Why does God protect certain people in certain circumstances but seems completely absent in others. I mean, do you have this question? Am I the only one that has this question? Why is it that God's going to show up in certain circumstances, in certain people's lives, but he seems completely absent in other situations when we ask for God's protection? And, and I think when we face this question and we ask for miracles of protection, uh, we, we lend ourselves to this doubt moment, to this faith moment, where we begin to question whether God is real, real and whether God will show up. And then we begin to question, is God a, mir a miraculous God? Can he perform miracles? And all this doubt begins to set in our lives when we pray for protection. And so we want to take a different approach today. Um, some of it will be just common sense. You already know this stuff, but I think where we land uh, may be helpful to most of us. And so today we're going to look at a story written by a man named Mark. Now, I know most of you are Bible scholars and you know who Mark is, but for people like me who don't know who Mark is, uh, Mark just turned out to be one of, I love Mark's account because it's the shortest account. Um, I always tell people, don't tell people to go to John uh, because new people reading the Bible, that's difficult. Send them to Mark, it's short. Give them a chance, you know. But I love Mark because Mark uh, sits at the feet of Peter. Many of you know Peter. Peter was this guy who had a first-hand experience with the life of Jesus. He followed Jesus wherever he went. In fact, Jesus founded his church upon him. And then Mark gets to sit at Peter's feet, and he begins to transcribe the stories that Peter tells, which is amazing. But this is what really is amazing about his account, is that Mark writes this account when he is in Rome. Now, I know you're like, that, come on, help me out. Why is that a big deal? Uh, it's interesting that Mark writes this account in Rome, and there was a nimwit leader named Nero. If you don't know anything about Nero, Nero was a nut job. He was crazy. He was out of control. And he didn't like this movement that was taking place. He didn't like the Christians. And so he decided, check this out, to light his own city on fire and then blame the Christians. It'd be like you setting your own car on fire, your $20,000, $40,000 car on fire, or $5,000, whatever you drive, I don't know. Um, but you set it on fire, and then you go out and you blame the neighbor for it that you don't like. This is what Nero does. And everybody, everybody begins to hate the Christians, the people following Christ, because he told them that they burned the city down. Now, I tell you all that to say, we have historical documents, and we know for a fact that Christians begin to lose their lives for this. We know this for a fact. But what isn't, like, just put out there for everybody to know and for everybody to understand and for everybody to read is that in the middle of that persecution, in the middle of those problems, rarely do we ever talk about the Christians having major doubts about God's protection for them. And you can only imagine, you can only imagine hearing the voices of those people who are being persecuted by the Romans. And they're saying, where are you, God? 
I remember when you performed miracles. Come on, like, I remember when you did that, and now you're nowhere to be found. And we need a miracle of protection. And so Mark writes this account to these people, and he writes it to you and to me as a way, as a way of encouraging them in the problem, reassuring them in the face of persecution, and inspiring them to boldness when they felt the weakest. So now that I've set you up for success, y'all ready for the story? This is good. We're going to love this. Many of you heard this. Here you go. He says, that day when the evening came, he, he being Jesus, said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Now, you know when Jesus says, let's go do something, you know it gets a little bit crazy. And so that's why this happens. Leaving the crowd behind, you notice that a lot of people don't want to follow Jesus when he tells them to go and do something. So a lot of them just leave. So leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. And he continues the story. I love it. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, I love this story. And many of you know this story. But I don't know that you actually love what we have to tell you here in just a minute. What I love is that Jesus is a dreamer. He is a visionary. He is on mission. He is thinking about what God has sent him to do. And so he says, let's go to the other side. And it doesn't take long before the disciples find that there are waves taking over their boat and they're in a serious problem. And I just think this is the point. Whenever we follow Jesus, there's always potential for a problem. See, when it comes to miracles of protection, we think that God is supposed to extract us, to pull us out, to take us away from all the problems and pain that we'll experience. But the truth is, whenever you follow Jesus, if you are a dedicated follower of Christ, there's always potential for a problem. You know, as a pastor, I think, um, you know, hey, we say yes all the time to wherever God is leading us. And so everything should just come easily because we're saying yes to whatever God has for us. You know, we've moved from Ohio to Missouri, Missouri to Indiana, Indiana to Kansas, Kansas to Illinois. If the if the if the pattern continues, we're going to retire in Colorado, which, hey, man, if you could snowboard all day, I'd be cool with that. Um, But anyway, we've moved many times and you would think that God would just line everything up. To make sure that it works. And, you know, long story short, I can remember one time we moved to Topeka and our friends who I don't know if I should consider them friends after this experience, but um, they said to us, hey, we know that you're looking for a house. We know that you want to buy a house. You can you can use our house and rent it for free. Uh, I don't know if you would rent if you're actually it's actually free. But anyway, that's what they said. And so we decide, you know, that you can stay at this house while, you know, what you're looking for a house. And um, it didn't take us long to realize that when we showed up on the first day that we were now living in the ghetto. And, uh, hey, whatever, I'm cool with that. That's where God sends you. That's fine. But, um, you know, we, we lived there for a few weeks. It was quite all right. It was actually a fun little home. It was, uh, was mouse-infested. Uh, Janelle and I at night, what we do is we set mouse traps, and then we would um, get up on the chairs, and we turn out the lights, and we wait for the mouse traps to go on. It was just entertainment because we had nothing else to do. Um, but I remember one night uh, I was going to bed and all of a sudden I hear this, yeah! this guy's yelling. And I knew the neighbor was a bit different, but I didn't know why he was screaming. Turns out he was a little intoxicated, a little bit too much to drink. And dude was just going off. I mean, he's having a great time, just screaming and yelling. He's kicking a shed. He's throwing stuff at it. He's beating up his own house. I mean, it's, it's like the wild, wild west out here. It's just going, you know, it's crazy. And uh, I'm fine with that. Hey, you're intoxicated. It's your home. You can do whatever you want to it. I don't care. But what really bothered me was when he began to address us. 
while we were in our home. And I remember him saying, I remember him specifically talking about the cars that we drove, that they weren't emissions efficient, and he wasn't happy with that. And so he was going to throw bricks through our windows. And then he talked about breaking our windows in the house and then jumping. You know, he started going through the scenarios of what he was going to do to us. And I remember what broke the, it was like my last straw. I said, that's it. No more, no more. He was talking about my kids, but then he was talking vividly about my wife who, by the way, um, you know, I was working hard those first few weeks, and so she was home by herself, and then I realized, oh, my goodness, this dude has been watching her the whole time. So he's talking about her, and he's screaming about her, and at this point, this is when I still own guns, you know, I don't, I don't anymore, but I grabbed the shotgun, and I went, and I sat on the stairs, and I just waited. I was freaking out. I was afraid. And I say all that to say that you would think that saying yes to following God and to doing kingdom work and to giving the gospel to people who, who need good news, you would think that he would not place us in the ghetto next to a drunken person who's threatening our lives. And I remember the next day, I get up and I go out. This dude was beaten on our house until 7 a.m. And I go out and he's standing there staring at me. Now, by this point, I packed up all the laundry. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're leaving. We're out of here. Bye. See you later. And I see him, and he's just staring at me. And I didn't know what to say other than to say, is, every, is everything okay? I mean, are you all right? And I remember he's like, oh, man, I'm sorry if things got a little crazy. I kid you not, 30 minutes ago, this dude was beating on my door. He said, I'm, I'm sorry if things got a little crazy last night. Uh, my girlfriend broke up with me. And, and I said, well, do you remember half of what went on? No, no. I mean, the cops were there. You know, he did, and they came back out. It was nuts. But in that moment, I was able to talk with him about his life, and he was able to share. And I say all that to say, whenever we follow God, we always will have potential problems. Whenever we're devoted followers of Christ, there are potential problems. And I think, I think so many of us think that part of living faith, part of following Jesus is protecting us, protecting us from all the problems the world gives us. Right? A lot of times we want to protect our kids from other people's kids who aren't as good as our kids. A lot of times we don't want to be around certain kind of people because they pose problems that we really don't want to face or we really don't want to deal with. Other times we don't want to be around people because their influence on us isn't good influence. And so we, we have this mentality in the Christian world that when we follow Christ, we'll just protect our lives. And so Jesus just says, nope, we're going to go to the other side. And so here's what happens. Uh, I love this. He continues. He says, Jesus was in the stern. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Now, I find this funny because the stern is the place that fills up with water first. Like if the boat's going to sink, if the boat's going to go down, if something's going to happen, uh, where Jesus is sleeping is where it's going to start. Yet the disciples are up on the deck and they're concerned for their own safety. So they run down to the most dangerous part of the deck and they woke him up and they said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he continues, he got up, he rebuked the wind and the waves, and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Now, I know that we can make this point, look at the miracle God did, but that's not the point that we want to make right here. I find it interesting, um, I want to go back to my small group last year, uh, the Downings, by the way, we love Todd and Shana, they're great worship pastors and worship leaders, um, but Todd and Shana were in our small group last year, and I can remember the first few times we're, we're going through a group, and, and we're teaching, and we're talking, and all of a sudden, I see these eyes peer out from the side of the wall, you know, just, just kind of staring at what's going on, and 
And, and Skylar and Riven were looking at what we were doing. And when, when the kids come over, we send them in the basement or we send them outside and we send them to do something else. But their eyes are peeking around the corner. As if to say, I, I want to make sure that my mom and dad are still there. Like, they know for a fact they haven't left. They know they have good parents. They know they didn't go anywhere. They know that they're still talking and eating and we're still having conversation. They know this. They know this. But when they see their parents, they see their parents, they walk in and they snuggle up to them and they give up a big hug and then they run off and do it all over again. 20 minutes later, they'll come back and they'll do the same thing. And I love that. And it's very cute and it's very childlike and it's very fun. But it's not so cute when it comes to our faith. And this is the point that Jesus is wanting to make to us, is that the disciples know that Jesus is present. They know that he's there. They know that he's with them, although he can't be seen. And yet it's almost like they don't think he can protect them until he sees them, until they see him. So they go and they wake him up. And what he wants to say is, listen, visibility doesn't determine viability. Visibility doesn't determine viability. In other words, so often the miracles of protection, and I know we've defined it this way, that when God visibly intervenes, we think that God needs to show up visibly. We need to see him. We need to know him. We need to touch him. We need to feel him to know that he's present. And I want you to know this, that Jesus in this moment saying, you don't need to see me to know that I'm capable. You don't need to come down to the lower deck and endanger life in order to know that I care deeply about the problems that you face in your life, specifically the problems that I've taken you through. And I think that so, for so many of us, we have this childlike faith where we visibly have to see God in order to believe that he can do a miracle in our lives. And I want you to know that God is present within your problem. In fact, we said this last week, that God centers himself in the middle of your suffering. And so Jesus takes him through this huge problem, through this major issue, and I think it's so important. He calms the storm. He does what Jesus does. You know, Jesus does his thing. We talked about him being savage, Jesus, last week. And in this moment, in this moment, Jesus gets ready to teach his disciples something so important. And he says something to them that you and I need to hear. Because when we face problems, when we have potential problems in our lives, right? We have this issue that Mark addresses and that Jesus addresses with his disciples. In the middle of your problem, he says, Why are you so afraid? Why are you afraid? In the middle of your problem, in the middle of your issue, in the middle of your circumstance, in the middle of your life, whatever you are facing, why are you afraid? And then he says, and I don't think he means this to be mean. It's kind of like last week. He says, remember, he says, I've been with you. I've been with you. I've been with you. How long do you not believe? How long will you be unbelieving? And so he says again, do you still, do you still have no faith? Now, I want to connect this because this is so important. The reason why he asks them that they still have no faith is he wants them to understand that his miracle of protection is actually because of the problem. What he wants us to understand is that whenever we have a problem in our life, that is his miracle of protection. And that in order for us, in order for us to have faith in life, we have to have problems. And so what I want you to know is that faith needs friction. 
Like, if you want to have faith, if you want to have faith in your life, there always has to be friction. And this is why I say, whenever we follow Jesus, there's always potential for a problem. And it's not that Jesus wants to throw a problem at you or give you a problem. It's just part of what it means to follow him. And this is the part where we begin to grow deeper in our faith with him. Let me give you an example. I heard a lady the other day. It's this great example. She said, which company do you trust more? Amazon, Uber, or Walmart? And the, the girl who was interviewing her said, well, I don't know. I like Walmart, I like Uber, you know, I don't know. She said, I think Amazon. And she said, well, why would you pick Amazon? She said, because I know when I order from Amazon, she said, I know for a fact, just like Skylar and Riven, like, I know for a fact, I know for a fact, I know for a fact when my box will arrive. It tells me on this date, it's going to arrive. And I can also see it when it's going to arrive. Like, you check your phone, you go out to orders, you can see when the delivery's coming. They have the little steps. I love that, by the way. And you can see when it's arrived at your house. They will tell you uh, that it's been placed on your step. And you know when you get there, there's going to be a package waiting for you. And she said, I trust Amazon because I know for a fact that the boxes show up on time. And the lady asked her, she said, then do you really trust Amazon? Is that really trust? She said, what about Uber, right? What about Uber? She's like, that really seems to me like more of an endeavor of faith and trust. Because when you get in an Uber car or an Uber with an Uber driver, like, again, you don't know who did the background check. You don't, for all you know, you could be in a car with a serial killer. But it takes, it takes confidence and it takes trust for you to get in a car with somebody that you've never met, that you've never met in your life. It takes trust in the unknown that this person is going to take you where you need to go. And that's really what faith is. It is a confident relationship in the unknown. A confident relationship in the unknown. And I really want to define unknown as all the circumstances that you face where you don't know the final outcome. And Jesus says, you still have no faith. Don't you understand that the problem that you're facing is actually my miracle of protection because it draws you in to me. I, I know personally the last couple of weeks, we, we've been doing this whole thing on evil and miracles of healing. And I tell you what, I, I've never, I, I'm not one to talk about spiritual warfare ever because I just, I don't know if I believe in it or not. But after the last two weeks, it's, it's legit, it's real. I promise you. And I can remember feeling the weight over the last two weeks. I can remember feeling the weight of, of whatever it was that was on me in my life, you know, bringing up the past, making me think things that aren't true about me. Come on, we've talked about these things with evil, right? And I'm experiencing this. I feel like I can't breathe. I'm having panic attacks. But what I found in this, and it was so hard, is every morning when I would get up, I would begin to read and I'd begin to pray. I didn't want to, I didn't feel like it. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy the problem that I was facing. But at the end of the day, it was God's miracle of protection for me because it was drawing me closer to Him. And so I don't know where you are, right? Like some of you are, are facing medical circumstances where you don't know, the doctors don't know, and you don't know the result. Some of your kids, right, I get it, they're a struggle, they're a pain, and they're not doing well in school, and you're not sure if they're ever really gonna make it in life because they just, man, and you don't know, it's the unknown. Some of you are worried about how are you gonna make it when it comes to retirement? Am I gonna have enough money? Am I gonna be able to survive? Some of you, this is real for you. And I want you to understand that this is actually God's miracle protection because it's drawing 
you into him. Your problem is the miracle of protection. So here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. This is so important. Don't be discouraged by your potential problem, but find the potential within the problem. Don't be discouraged by your potential problem, but discover the potential within the problem. Right, when you, when you go to work, those people that make messes for you, right, instead of looking them at them as they're the problem and they're the issue, look at the potential of what God wants to do in and through you for them. Again, your health, your issues, your life, those things that you don't know about, begin to view those not as problems. Don't take them as problems, but take them as God's miracle for you to do something kingdom-driven. So that's how we want you to move forward in your faith this week. This week, as you begin to take next steps and you begin to move forward in your faith, which is, by the way, what we want for you is to move forward. We want that for you. We don't want you stagnant. We don't want you staying. This is what we want for you to look at every problem with potential. And not just potential for you, but what God's potential is in the circumstance to glorify Him. In this last couple minutes, I wanna think as a community real quick. I wanna think as a church, because I think it's important. It'd be interesting to get your responses of how you think the last three years have gone, which is why we've sent out a survey to you, uh, which I would love for you to take. But often within a church, we think that friction, we think that problems, we think that issues are a bad thing. But I'm here to tell you that if we are comfortable, if we're always comfortable and we just like it because it feels like home and it's just, it's just the way it's always been, if there is no friction, then you are not moving forward. And I know for so many of us, so many of us, it's been a difficult struggle at times. It's been an amazing journey at times. But I want to tell you right now, I know that God is moving within our lives and in our church and in our people who are leading ministries like Hope Closet because, because we have friction. There are times we don't get along. There are times we don't agree. There are times that issues come up and we have problems. But guess what? This means that there is potential for our church. That growth is about to happen simply because we're not making everybody happy. And whenever we try to reach people who are lost, and whenever we try to reach people who don't yet know Jesus Christ, we will do things that make us uncomfortable. And it is so worth it. So let me end with this. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, let me just say this, whatever problem you face, whatever problem you face will only be a problem. There will never be potential in your problem without Jesus. And so today, I would invite you to say, you know what, I wanna be part of that. I wanna be part of this journey. I wanna be part of this community. I wanna be part of that. And all you need to do is say yes to him and ask my prayer.